everyone, this is Brooke, and you're listening to the Vintage Gardener Podcast, which is where I give you tips and tricks on gardening, particularly if you're like me and you garden in southern New Jersey, which is zone 7A. So guys, after an almost two-year break, I am finally finishing the third part of Nipic. That's N-I-P-I-K, and Nipix is the NPK values that you see on a bag of fertilizer. To me, it looks like Nipic. That's why I refer to it. And so we are finally going to do a comparison of fertilizer. So let's get started. So guys, it's summer, the plants are off to a great start, and now it's time to fertilize. And so I know that in the past, a lot of people have asked me about what type of fertilizer I used and you know how often you should apply that. So this is how we're going to talk, this is what we're going to be talking about today. So now, if you guys are not familiar with the first two podcasts called Nipic 1 and Nipic 2, I'm just going to give you guys a brief summary. I think they're still on uh, Apple Apple podcast platform, iTunes, and maybe on Spotify. I changed hosts, so I don't know if it all got pulled over. Um, I did do two video podcasts of Nipic and Nipic 1, and they're definitely on um, YouTube under the playlist section called podcast if you would like to go back and watch them. But I'm just going to give you guys a brief summary as to what those episodes were about. So Nipic 1 was really a fertilizer primer. So if you watch the video, you will notice that I got a can of fertilizer and basically I showed it to you and showed you what, you know, how you read the values, what the percentages mean. I think we went over things like what are micronutrients as opposed to macronutrients. And like I said, it was just a basic, this is what fertilizer does. This is how it actually works. Now, Nipic 2 was a little bit different. I did a deeper exploration into fertilizer. (coughs) Specifically, I did uh, the pros and cons of organic versus inorganic fertilizer. And so one of the things I went, went into great detail about was the danger, and I guess you'd say damage, that inorganic fertilizers do to soil. Uh, inorganic fertilizers feed the plant, organic fertilizers feed the soil. Inorganic fertilizers do have quick effect, but over time, they slowly destroy your soil. They make it more, um, they make it toxic because there is what's known part of the fertilization, parts of the process of fertilizing or excuse me, using an organic fertilizer is that it creates salts, which do build up and it makes your soil infertile. And so uh, you can notice things over time, like your plants will be having certain types of nutrient deficiencies because those salts, for example, uh, may make your plant uptake certain micronutrients to the point that it blocks other nutrients. And I did go into a great detail 
on that on the video. Now, I, I know some of you guys are probably wondering, can that really happen? Well, yeah, it can. As a matter of fact, uh, with one of the gardening groups I'm a part of on uh, Facebook, I noticed that somebody said that all of a sudden, you know, they've been gardening for years, all of a sudden, <clears throat> five years ago, their garden simply just declined. And they weren't sure why. Um, I was getting ready to comment, but when I looked at the comments, I noticed the person was getting very huffy because uh, I guess with some of the suggestions that people made, their response was, well, I've been gardening for 50 years and, you know, and they were not, they didn't, they asked for help, but they didn't appreciate the help people were giving them. And somebody wisely pointed out, well, hey, you've been gardening for 50 years, but you're asking us for, you know, uh, for help. And so I didn't really get into it, but... From what what responses I did see the original poster um, post was that recently they had started amending their soil with compost, which gave me the distinct impression that prior to the point they weren't providing any amendments. And I would have to be, I'd be willing to bet a great deal of money that had I inquired into their fertilization, I am sure that they probably have been using miracle Grow because unfortunately, I do know a lot of people who've been gardening for a really long time who like to swear by miracle Grow, And it does work. But the bottom line is if you stop using miracle Grow, you will have no growth, you know, because you've destroyed your soil. Uh, so that to me was the only explanation as to why all of a sudden five years ago, her garden just declined and kept declining <clears throat> to the point that uh, she was in real trouble and couldn't understand why basically her flowers and plants just dwindled to nothing. Um, I know a lot of people recommended that she get a soil test and that's a good place to start because she's probably going to have to, um, she's going to have to resuscitate her soil. So uh, in today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about organic fertilizers because that's pretty much what I use. Are there occasions where I may use something synthetic? Yes, I try to use things um, that are organic or organic based. Like for example, a, a liquid gold, um, Master Nurseries liquid gold fertilizer is a fish emulsion base. It does have other synthetic ingredients in it. But I mean, you can tell when you, sm when you open it, it smells of fish fertilizer, but it's mostly organic. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad about um, using that. If you have to use organic, excuse me, inorganics for whatever reason, maybe you just have a problem that you're trying to get like a quick turnaround because you don't want to lose the plant. That's fine, but just just minimize how often you use it. Use it for the for the time necessary, and then stop. Um, you know, I'm not going to bash on people who use inorganic, but once again, just understand that it does come with long-term, it does have long-term effect. There are some costs. And so if you need it, sometimes that's fine, but I personally would not make a great, ha a huge habit of it for that reason. So the first thing I do when I'm talking about uh, or thinking about what type of fertilizer use is I consider time and lifestyle constraints. So 
So over the years, I have seen any number of very unkind comments in gardening groups and discussions about people who would like to garden but don't have a lot of time on their hands. And those like hardcore, I guess you would say very, uh, you know, I would, I would, I don't even want to say right wing, but there's just some people on there who just take the position. Well, if you can't devote X amount of time to your garden per year, then you don't even waste your time doing it. And I don't take that position. I think everybody could garden. I think you just have to find a way that makes sense for you. And so, you know, I am a very busy person. I am a busy trial attorney. So although I would like to be able to do things like, you know, mix up fertilizer on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, although, you know, I would like to be able to spend two hours a day weeding, which I cannot do. <laughs> um, I don't have, I just, I just don't have the time. Some things do get a little bit behind. Like right now, I'm a little bit behind on weaning my gravel walkway and it's fine. Eventually I'll get there and I'll get it done and everything will go back to look um, nice. So when I garden, I try to set things up so that as many things are automated as possible or if I have to do something, I can do it fewer times during the season so that it's because it's just a function of time for me. Uh, the second thing you have to look at is finances. Now, I understand that because I'm an attorney, although I'm not a wealthy attorney, um, I, I, I certainly understand that I have more disposable income than other people. But once again, I still have a budget. I still have to do things like, you know, pay a mortgage, you know, buy the astronomical groceries that are in the store at this point um, and things like that. So I can't just go out and spend like, you know, you know, $1,500 on, <laughs> you know, per season on fertilizer, on getting different types of fertilizers. So the thing, you know, for, so for me, I'm looking for something that number one um, requires fewer applications and number two is more cost effective. So if I can, for example, find one fertilizer that takes care of all the types of plants, then yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go for. And so um, that's what I do. You know, one of the things you have to remember when it comes to the fertilizer companies, especially the organic companies, is that, you know, when you're listening to their taglines, you know, they're just, they just want to make the world a better place. They want to just do wonderful things for the environment. And I'm sure part of that is true, but just remember something. They are a business. So the bottom line is their bottom line. So they will come up with 17 different formulas of practically the same thing if it means that they will get your money. So just keep that in mind before you start plunking down and buying 50 bajillion types of fertilizers in a single growing season. Okay. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about th the three bigger organic brands, um, Espoma, Job's, and Dr. Earth, because these, to me, uh, these are companies that are nationally available. Either you can buy them in big box stores or you can get them online fairly easily. Now, I'm sure you guys saw the title, which is like the truth about Espoma. And yes, I know it is definitely bait clicky. Um, the reason that I put that one in there is because in my travels around the web um, and on YouTube, 
everybody uses espoma. Um, espoma is, you know, is, it just has, it has a lot of notoriety because Laura from Garden Answer uses it pretty much exclusively exclusively for the the granular stuff i know she uses the proven winner um synthetic fertilizer which i think i talked i'm pretty sure i talked about in nipic in nipic part two yeah do not use proven winners (laughs) uh synthetic fertilizer um I've explained to you the dangers. Just, just please don't do it. I mean, I understand you want your annual to look good. You can do it in other ways. Like we're, we'll talk about it today. I promise. Um, but Espoma, because of Laura, is just the brand that everybody goes to. Um, I see it. They have certain brands of Espoma and Lowe's. If you go to a lot of the local hardware stores, well, at least in my area, they have it. You can get it on Amazon. It's just absolutely everywhere. Now, guys, listen. I mean, look, she partners with them. I think we all know that. Uh, or maybe she's sponsored by them. And I'm not knocking her for doing that. And I'm not knocking them. Espoma is a good brand. Um, and if it's all there that there is available in your area, go for it. Because in terms of a fertilizer, <laughs> it, it is good. Okay. Um, Espoma is known for the tones. Okay. Uh, that's what I call them, the tones. And so let's talk about all of the tones of, of Espoma. There's holly tone, plant tone, garden tone, berry tone, rose tone, evergreen tone, tomato tone, azalea tone, bulb tone, flower tone, t- uh, tree tone, palm tone, citrus tone, and iron tone. And they should have another one called broke tone because that's the sound you're going to make if you ha- when you realize you're going to have to put a second mortgage on your house if you're going to buy all these <laughs> um, every season for all the different types of plants that you, uh, that you have. Now, the question you guys are probably asking yourself is, are all of these fertilizers by Espoma necessary for your garden? Absolutely not. Okay. Now I know on Garden Answer, somebody had asked Laura, which one would she recommend? And she kind of, I mean, she kind of answered it. She kind of punted it, which, which I totally get. I mean, cause she is partner with them. So she's going to have to be careful. And on top of that, she has makes no bones about the fact that she doesn't really research. Um, and so I'm sure she has not looked into it <laughs> as deeply as what I have looked into it. And so we're going to go, I'm going to now explain to you why it is a complete waste of money, in my opinion, to buy all thir- all 13 or 14 of these tones. Okay. So here's the thing, guys. Like I said, all fertilizers have the macronutrients, uh, nitrogen, uh, phosphorus, and potassium. And they also have micronutrients like calcium, manganese, sulfur, and that sort of thing. Okay. Sulfur, you know, nitrogen, phosphorus, you know, potassium, calcium, they, they do the exact same thing in a plant. Okay. So it doesn't matter what label on it. It's not going to change, you know, if you get the, the, you know, your nitrogen, uh, phosphorus, potassium from rose tone, as opposed to plant tone, um, on using it on annual, it's not going to change the effect just because of the label. Um, you know, Espoma uses like alfalfa and other natural products. It's going to work the same in each plant 
you know, it doesn't change its nature by virtue of the fact that it's in a bag that says plant tone or garden tone or rose tone. That's just not how it works. Okay. So at the end of the day, if you have a really big bag of rose tone or that's all that's available in your area, use it. You don't need to go out and buy a different a different thing. Just use it because it's, it's going to work the same. And at the end of the day, it's fertilizer and it, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be fine. You know, I don't make a big deal about what type, like necessarily the various types of fertilizer. Um, in my opinion, a good general fertilizer, if you get something that's just balanced, that's good. Now, if you notice you're having sp- specific issues with specific plants, then at that point I would get a, um, a specific, uh, fertilizer. So the thing is I looked at, um, I did a, I did, oh, I did a comparison. I compared all the Espoma brands plus the Job's brands plus the Dr. Earth's brand. And one of the reasons it's taken so long to get this episode done is because it was a lengthy, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm an attorney. So, I, you know, I, I'm researching when I can. So I had to do a lot of comparison, a lot of looking things up. So here's the thing. Um... I, we're going to go with holly tone, berry tone, azalea tone, and, and evergreen tone. People, it is very important that you look at the fertilizers. When you're, if you're in somewhere where that they've got all of these Spoma brands, take each one of the bags, flip them over, and look at the label with the breakdown of what the ingredients are. <clears throat> now, I picked these four um, types of tones because there is what's online and then there is what's on the bag. And so let's go what's online. Uh, if you go to the Spoma website, um, they have a spec sheet. Now this spec sheet is, okay, first off, let me just, let me put a disclaimer on here. All of the information I'm providing you is current as of the day of this podcast. Now I'm anticipating that I'm going to put this podcast up, you know, around mid June, like mid-June at some point in time, this information was as of the day I posted the podcast. And I'm saying that because I know with podcasts, it's evergreen content. Years down the road, somebody may decide to go back and listen to this podcast and look at online and say, my gosh, why did she post that? None of this stuff was true. Well, as of, you know, June of 2022, when I posted this episode, I did go back and look at a couple of things and it's current as of then. So I just want you to know. And of course, you know, if Espoma or Dr. Earth or Job C here listens to my podcast, maybe the, they may make changes to the website because I pointed out these things. So I'm just, just, just fair warning. Okay. So uh, with Holly Tone, Berry Tone, Azalea Tone, and Evergreen Tone, if you look at the spec sheets on Espoma's website, they are identical. Okay. And just so you know, I actually did screen captures of each of the labels, put them side by side and go down them line by line. Okay. When it comes to the Nipic, they are all four, three, four. Um, they have five, uh, the calcium number is five. The manganese number is one. The sulfur number is five and they have six, um, five or six, yeah, six bacteria, the soil microbes and they're all identical. Okay. And so these four, according to the spec sheets, they're identical. They just have different labels on them. So that to me was a little bit 
concerning because I'm just like, gee, you mean you just package them <laughs> in different uh, different labels? And based upon the spec sheet online, that's what it appears they did. Now, there's what's in the store. Now, Berry Tone of the four that I just mentioned was the last to come out. Now, um, I didn't, wasn't able to verify evergreen tone because in my local garden centers, nobody had evergreen tone. So I, I could not do an in-store analysis, but I can tell you that, um, with holly tone and azalea tone, because I think those are definitely the, uh, the older of the two. Um, recently when I looked at the azalea tone, I noticed that it still had the 434. Um, the only difference that I saw was that when it came to the soil uh, bacteria, the soil microbes, you know, the good stuff that you want in your soil, they only listed three of the six bacteria that are listed in Hollytone. Now, when Berrytone came out, I did get a small bag of that. And I compared it to the berry, uh, to the azalea tone bag that I had. Um, and I think I did this analysis back in 2020. And the one thing I noticed is that in 2020 with the berry tone, the berry tone bag was the same as the azalea tone bag. So basically it only had three of the six microbes. Now, back in 2021, because I was considering doing this video back then, when I went and got, um, I actually went to the local hardware store and I grabbed Holly Tone, Berry Tone, and Azalea Tone. And once again, put the bag side by side and they were more differentiated. So the Holly Tone still reads the exact same way. The Azalea Tone was had only three of the microbes and the Berry Tone, the thing that was different about the Berry Tone was that the sulfur amount was lower. And once again, it had three of the six bacteria. Um, like I said, evergreen tone, I wasn't able to verify. But at the end of the day, um, I listen, I don't understand why that is, what's going on there. Um, if you're listening to this, this podcast close in time to when I post it, you can look and see for yourself what I mean when I, I'm talking about the spec sheets online. But to me, there is no in my opinion, okay, in my opinion, there is no significant difference between these four, these four um, types of fertilizers. So would I buy each one of these? No. I mean, most of the time people sell Holly Tone in the really big bags. Get Holly Tone. You can use it for all three because um, they're not, they're not different enough. Um, azaleas and hollies like acid or their acid-loving plants, blueberries, and that which was kind of interesting to me because of the berry tone, they're like, oh, good for blueberries. Well, blueberries are acid-loving. And if you look at other brands of fertilizer, typically they have an acid-loving formula and they have on their hollies, azaleas, rhododendrons, camellias, blueberries, because th that's what they like. Um, so I would not buy all of these for these. Like I said, there's no significant difference. So you know, if, if unfortunately you bought all four, I'm terribly sorry, but this is why you need to actually turn those bags over and look at them. Um, now, the other one that is something that's kind of similar that you may want to look, look at is a garden tone and tomato tone. Now, 
the nipic values are different. So uh, garden tone is three four four. Uh, tomato tone is three four six. So the tomato tone definitely has a lot more um, potassium in it, and to potassium is for overall health. Um, the thing that's different, if you look a little bit lower on, really is the calcium value. Uh, so garden tone has five. Um, the calcium value is five. <coughs> uh, the tomato tone has a calcium value of eight. So uh, garden tone is marketed specifically. They, they talk about vegetables and of course, tomato tone, they're talking about using that for vegetable garden. Um, if to, for those, those two, if, if I was going to choose between the two of them, <coughs> I would use tomato tone. Um, tomatoes, um, cucumbers, squashes, and that sort of thing, they tend to be a little bit more susceptible to um, blossom end rot. And I certainly know that I've had it and that's a calcium deficiency. Um, so if that's a problem that you have, the tomato tone is going to be better for those plants for that reason. And the calcium, it's not like it's going to harm the other plants. It's just that some plants are going to need more calcium. So of the two, I would go with the tomato tone. Emma also has plant tone. They have flower tone. I, they've got rose tone. I mean, generally speaking, they're, these are all what I would consider to be just, you know, I think all of these Spoma brand really is are just general fertilizers and that sort of thing. So, you know, like I said, if there's only one available in your area, it's not going to make much of a difference with plant tone, um, flower tone and rose tone. I mean, I think the flower tone and the rose tone have a slightly higher <coughs> phosphorus value. Um, I'll be quite honest. I tend to like a higher nitrogen value for my flowering plants because although uh, the phosphorus value does help with uh, blooming and bud set, nitrogen actually aids the plant in uptaking uh, the phosphorus. And sometimes with phosphorus, it can kind of build up in the soil, which isn't necessarily good. So I personally like to have a slightly higher nitrogen value than a phosphorus value. Now, plant tone, I think the nipic on that is 533. So as you can see, it's not a whole, whole lot more nitrogen than phosphorus, you know, but it's just, it's a little bit more. And so that's, that's how I typically, that's how I typically go by it. Um, so that's the whole thing with the Spoma. So pretty much with the Spoma, when I was using it, I was using plant tone. And like I said, with my vegetables, uh, once I got to my current location, I've been having a, a problem with blossom and rot. So I would be using tomato tone. Now that said, I have not been using Espoma. Um, Espoma is a once a month fertilizer. And for me with this year, actually the past couple years because of COVID, I've had a little bit more time on my hands, but when I'm really busy, once a month fertilizing is a problem. Uh, the other disadvantage to Espoma is that they don't have a liquid. They don't have a liquid version. And sometimes, especially if you have a plant that's in, you know, acute distress where it's like they may die, you really need something liquid because it's easier to uptake. Also, a lot of times with the liquids, you can do a fodular spray, meaning that, um, you can spray it on the leaves because plants can't uptake nutrients through their leaves. Espoma does not have that. So it definitely is a much more slow working formula. So if you're having issues, it is going to take you 
longer. So it's not really good for rescue situations. Now, uh, there is Job's Organic. Now, I liked Job's Organic from what I saw. Um, the only, the disadvantage for Job's Organics to me is that the bags are too small. They don't have 50 pound bags. And so for me, it's really not cost effective. But if you have a much smaller garden, um, this is gonna, this is, may work for you. So let's go over the different Job's types of fertilizer. Okay, so Job's has one for hollies. Um, then they have one for annual and perennials. They have an all-purpose. Uh, they have an azalea, camellia, and rhododendron. They have a bulb food. They have fast start, uh, fruit and citrus, fruit and nut, palm, knockout roses, rose and flower. Then, of course, they have herbs. They have um, tomato and veggies. And then they have like single... Uh, single, single ingredient formulas, like for example, blood meal and bone meal and that sort of thing. Now, immediately off the bat, the thing that's different about Job's from Espoma is that when it comes to soil microbes, Espoma has six, Job's has nine. <coughs> now, um, I did my research quite some time ago and I don't have that notebook with me anymore. Uh, but one of the, when I looked at actually what the microbes do, a lot of the soil microbes do increase um, because in order for plants to uptake nutrients, <clears throat> those nutrients have to be broken down. There is a symbiotic relationship between the roots uh, involving the roots of the plants and the ability to uptake nutrients. And so that's what this in short that's what the soil microbes do the other thing is that soil microbes actually break down things so that the plants can't absorb it um one of the things that i know dr earth had it, and i'm pretty sure that um jubes had it is that they had they have a lot of soil inoculants uh, more soil inoculants to for soil pathogens i think espoma had a little bit but from what I remember, Job's and particularly um, Dr. Earth had a lot more soil inoculants. The other thing that I remember seeing in the Dr. Earth brand and the Job's brand that <clears throat> Spoma doesn't have is that there are certain types of fungi that help reduce the salts in the soil. So if, for example, you've been using miracle Grow for 10 years and now you're realizing that you need to rehabilitate your soil, um, from what I remember, the Job's brand, I think they have like one or two, maybe one or so of these types of soil fungi. Dr. Earth has more of them. But that was the thing that I thought was really interesting is that they had more soil inoculants, more things to help, you know, condition and rehabilitate your soil. And um, <clears throat> Spoma doesn't have that. So there is a little bit more in, in the formulas. Um, the other thing is that Job's does have a water soluble varieties for herbs, um, you know, veggies, orchids, bursting bloom, that sort of thing. Uh, the liquid versions don't have any micronutrients in them. <clears throat> so that's something <clears throat> to keep in mind. Um, then they have fertilizer spikes that are slow release. And the nice thing about the fertilizer spikes is that uh, they last for uh, the organic ones. I think it's between six to eight, six to eight weeks. Uh, they do have an inorganic formula that is designed not to leach. 
Um, and so, and the, the, those actually last for three full months. <clears throat> so, um, yes, because leaching is another issue. And I, and I should have mentioned that earlier. In NIPA 2, one of the things that I talked about was that with the inorganic formulas, um, because they leach, a lot of times they end up in the waterways and they create a lot of other issues. So <clears throat> this inorganic fertilizer stick by Job's is designed not to do that. So that's just something, you know, something to keep in mind. So maybe you might need, or for example, maybe all that's available to you is the inorganic spikes. At least you can be rest assured that it's, now this is their claim. I haven't gone and like, you know, measured the waterways and I don't, I haven't seen any, you know, research online, but according to them, they have designed them so that it doesn't leach uh, beyond you know, like the soil root, so it doesn't cause any issues. <clears throat> they also do have a slow release organic fertilizer, but this is in really small batches. It's almost kind of like the same size as Osmocote and the organic slow release fertilizers do last for three months and that's all purpose and then annuals and perennials. So they have, you know, fewer, fewer varieties, but that's fine because to be quite honest, like annuals and perennials, you know, I don't think you need one specifically for annuals or perennials because there's really no difference in the requirements um, <clears throat> and that sort of thing. Um, so with the f fruit and citrus, like fruit and citrus and then the fruit and nut, I don't have either of those types of trees. I did pull the spec sheets and they are formulated slightly different. Um, I know the citrus tends to have more sulfur in it than a fruit and nut, but have I ever tried it? I mean, the thing is when I get citrus and fruit trees and, you know, and maybe a nut tree, I'm going to try them just to see which ones <clears throat> is there appreciable difference. Palm trees definitely need a little bit something else. Um, the knockout rose and rose and flower. <clears throat> I don't see why you would need um, both of those. Quite frankly, um, I, I don't, I think you can be, you'd be fine just with the annual and perennial. Now with the herb and the tomato, <clears throat> the thing with herbs is that you, you know, you tend to eat the, the, the herb leaves. So I can't remember what the formulation on the herb is, but for what I remember, it would have a much higher nitrogen content. And then of course you have the tomato and veggies, which of course has got more calcium in it. So <clears throat> That those are the differences. So the thing is, when you're looking at the numbers, you know, when you understand how things work, you can kind of evaluate: is it really necessary <clears throat> that I have one, or um, as opposed to another? Um, like I said, for me, I would just go with the all-purpose. You know, if you're having issues with like your azaleas, or like for example, like the tomatoes, then just get one additional kind. Um, and like I said, they do have water soluble formula. Now, the one that <clears throat> I use um, is Dr. Earth. So when it comes to soil microbes, uh, Dr. Earth refers to them as pro probiotics, um, or is it prebiotic? I think it's prebiotic. Um, they have 23 um, bacteria and fung fungi in the soil. So they have multiple types of things to help root development, multiple types of soil inoculants, multiple types of things that will help remove like salts and stuff from the soil. Um, so 
when it comes to the varieties, they have like, it was, I guess you would say like five specialty types of um, fertilizers. For example, you know, you've got the tomato and vegetable, you've got um, the, um, you know, the blooms, you got like a starter and that sort of thing. And then you have six all purpose fertilizers and they have some quirks. I forgot which one I like to use. Um, so once again, they have even fewer varieties. Now, the thing with Dr. Earth is that I thought was nice is that number one, uh, their formulas are designed to be to last for two months. So it's a two month feed. So depending upon how long your growing season is for me, I probably usually don't have to fertilize my plants until like June. And so with June and, you know, so June, you know, all of June, all of July, come August, I'm really not fertilizing everything because at that point we're transitioning into fall and I want things to start, you know, kind of hardening off to and kind of winding down for the fall. So I don't, so for me, it works for Dr. Earth because I only have to apply it once in an entire growing season. Uh, the other thing that I think is really nice about Dr. Earth that's different from Jove's and Espoma is that you can make, although they do have liquid fertilizers and, and um, they have some that you can just attach your, to your hose and they do have some that you can put in a hose and sprayer. Um, so that part I did like, but the other thing about Dr. Earth is that you can make a, a like a, a compost tea from the dry, the granular stuff. So basically you're going to put a certain amount of granular into a bucket and fill it like a five gallon bucket, fill it with water and let it sit for like 24 hours. And then you can scoop it out and and basically feed your plants. You could even put it in a spray bottle for a filer feed. So I do like that because it's more versatile. So, you know, if funds are an issue, which for a lot of people that is, we all have budgets, you can have one and get the benefits of a granular. Plus, if you have a situation where you need you know, rescue liquid, you know, fertilizer, because you have a plant that's, you know, in imminent danger of dying, you can give it, you know, the liquid, you can make liquid. So it's just a one-stop shop. Now, Dr. Earth of all the three, Dr. Earth is definitely um, the more, the most expensive, but you know, they got a lot more in it. And so I like the additional uh, prebiotic stuff for my soil, um, so to me, it, you know, it's worth it. And like I said, I only have to fertilize once an entire season. So once again, that's cutting down on time. You know, my parterre garden is about 2,100 square feet. Then I've got the driveway beds, which is an additional like 600 square feet. Plus I have the sunset garden, which I'm going to be reworking. And then I do have a small um, <clears throat> flower bed on the back of my house. So we're talking 3,000 square feet. So, you know, trying to do... <clears throat> that on a monthly basis um, would be difficult. And not to mention, I would need a lot of bags. So um, with a spoma, I would probably need maybe three bags, probably three bags. That would be three bags a month that I would have to use. Um, whereas with the Dr. Earth, maybe I'll use, th you know, three bags. I may need three bags, but at least it's only you know, one time during, uh, the growing season, as opposed to, you know, you know, June, July and August. 
with a spoma. Um, so in terms of a cost analysis, you know, how much am I going to spend? Obviously, if I have to buy, you know, nine bags of the general, well, that's, and that's assuming, of course, I use just the general all-purpose fertilizer. You know, with the spoma, with all of them, I'm going to need a different bag for my vegetables. So, you know, there's that too. Um, so at the end of the day, it's just one of those types of things that I feel in term, for for the size garden that I need, uh, Dr. Earth is more cost effective. Now, this research is going to update. I may find another organic brown brand that's more cost effective. And if I do, then I will switch to that. But th- those are kind of, <clears throat> but that's where I'm going for right now. Um, so how often to apply it? Well, obviously with, you know, the Dr. Earth, it's once, you know, a t- uh, once for two months. Um, with Now I do use something different depending upon the plant. So for example, I have fertilizer sticks for the hydrangeas um, and the roses. I used them last year. They worked really well. I noticed a difference. I need to add those fertilizer sticks because last year I could say, I think because of the fertilizer and because they were in terms of health, they were really good. I didn't have as much uh, pest damage and you know fungal damage as I'm currently experiencing this year because we've just had a much uh, wetter season. So I definitely have to do that um, with the um, with the fer- uh, with the vegetable gardens. I have to look on the tag for um, Doctor Earth because. I, with the, with my, with my vegetable gardens, I'm doing raised beds. And so they are, the ones I have now are on concrete. And so any nutrients leach a little bit more quickly. And so because before that reason, I'm going to have to probably give them granular fertilizer more often, or I'm just, I will give them the granular fertilizer and then I'm going to have to supplement with, um, you know, some liquid fertilizer, waterings, you know, every two weeks or something. And that's fine because it's just, it's a really small area. Now, when I finish my new vegetable garden, I'm going to have to um, adjust that. Um, the other thing is that I do have corn in my garden. And so that's going to necessitate something slightly different because corn needs a lot of nitrogen. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen corn gluten in the stores. It's used as a um, weed suppressant because it inhibits germination. It's also a fertilizer. Um, it has, it's pretty much all nitrogen and that's it. Um, corn needs to need a lot of nitrogen. And one of the reasons I feel like I've been having issues with my corn is because the nitrogen content of what I'm using is not enough. Now somebody, and I can't remember if it's Job's or something, but somebody somewhere has a blood meal fertilizer stick. Um, so I'm going to be getting those. They're they're pretty small, and I'm going to be putting those next to the corn. So basically, as it's watering, it's breaking down, and it'll have the nitrogen that it needs. If not, then I'm just going to have to c- commit to um, putting blood meal around the corn plants every so often because they definitely need it. Um, so like I said, for me... I tend to go with the general all-purpose fertilizer, uh, the tomato fertilizer, um, like I said, the blood meal for the corn. And for my uh, um, hydrangeas, I just I just kind of go with the holly tone and that's good for any acid loving thing. So quite frankly, I may even put like the acid loving versions of, 
of the fertilizer on my blueberries as well. So for me, I guess that's what, three different types of fertilizers, but obviously the big one is the, you know, the the all-purpose, and I would need smaller bags of the other things or, you know, fertilizer sticks because uh, with the hydrangeas and stuff, I've been doing, the, you know, the fertilizer sticks so I don't have to um, do. So basically, it's like a one, one and done. Um, so that is how I do the fertilizer. So guys, I hope you found all of this useful um, and helpful, and I hope this helps you be more, um, I would say frugal, but basically... Hopefully you don't feel now that you have to go out and spend a significant paycheck, um, you know, a significant amounts of your paycheck on fertilizers. Just, you know, do a, a comparison of of the brands, even with the brands, just look at, do a comparison and see what's and what's really necessary. You know, is, you know, if, if the nitrogen on something is four and the nitrogen on another is five, is it, is it really going to, is it that significant of a difference? No, it, it really isn't. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, like when people say, oh, things are specifically formulated for this, um, that's, that, you know, that's a, that's a sales pitch. Just remember that. Um, is it really specially formulated? I don't know. You're not going to know unless you look at, you know, look at the bag, compare the bag to the other products in that line. And quite frankly, even comparing them to other, um, similar products in other brands to see what, what is, what is more beneficial, what is, you know, what is not. Uh, so because all of those things are, all of those things are going to, uh, matter. Um, it also, taking consideration your soil chemistry. Like I have, I live in an area where it's more, um, more acidic soil. And actually some parts of my yard, I think are a little bit more alkaline because I've been noticing the color of the hydrangeas. So that's something I have to work on because I do want my soil to be slightly more acidic. So, you know, if you have acidic soil, you know, maybe you want to make sure you're not getting something that's got a lot of sulfur in it. Um, there's another substance that kind of mimics the effects of acidity without changing your um, soil um, pH, and that is humeric acid. Uh, Dr. Earth has a lot of humeric acid, and when it comes to acid-loving things, um, they tend to, instead of using sulfur, they use humeric acid to give the same effect. Um, so that, um, you know, that's something you should... Um, take into consideration. Um, if you have, for example, alkaline soil, yeah, the, um, sulfur is definitely going to, is going to help, you know, change your soil acidity. But, you know, if your soil's alkaline, that's going to be a fighting battle. You may not necessarily be able to change it altogether. And so I know most of the brands have a little bit of humeric acid, but I think Dr. Earth has the most. The other thing is that some of the um, fertilizer brands, and there's this one that's in a brown box and I can't remember it. They actually sell humeric acid by itself. And so if you have alkaline soil, it might be worth getting some humeric acid because once again, it's not going to change your, your soil acidity, but it's going to mimic the effects to make whatever nutrients there 
you know, more available. And so that's an alternative. And probably if you go to like an Agway or something like that, they may have, you know, things like humeric acid and that sort of thing on a more commercially available scale, if that's something that you need. So guys, um, the whole thing with fertilizer, it's not quite is just as simple as all that. Um, you know, yeah, you're going to do some time researching, but I think once you get something that works for you, it's going to be a lot easier. And then, you know, in future, if people are releasing, oh, I have this new product for X, Y, and Z plant, you know, you're not going to feel the pressure. Oh, I got to buy that. It's just like, eh, whatever. It's the same thing. Um, and so guys, that's how I tend to do it. Um, the other things I also use are blood meal and bone meal. Uh, when I, um, when I do plant starting, I don't use biotone. I use, I like to use, mostly I do it in the fall months, but I like to use um, bone meal because it's exclusively phosphorus. It's all about root development. And I think it does it does really, really well. Uh, blood meal, like I said, if you're having a nitrogen issue, like for example, um, in a couple of the middle beds, I noticed that some of the plants are yellowing because I think because it's a little bit more sandy. So I may just dump some, you know, blood meal in there to kind of help green it up. It's not an iron issue. I have iron water, so that's not it. It's just in general nutrient deficiency, but you know, nitrogen will help that green up. So it's just one of those things you kind of have to play around with it. But like I said, I don't necessarily keep everything in stock. Most of the time, it's just an all-purpose fertilizer. But like I said, if problems come up, then I'll go get a small bag of something else. And I think that's a much more cost-effective way to do that. So guys, if you have any questions about this podcast, leave it in the comment section. I am going to do a uh, Q&A. I think I'm going to schedule it for the end of this month. Um, I'm probably going to put a poll on Instagram because I would like to know the best day and time to do a Q&A so that most people can participate. Um, this time, I think I'm just going to do it exclusively on Pod Podbean and do a call-in show because setting up a live is just can be kind of difficult and I'm trying to figure out what software I want to use. So anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Don't forget that the podcast can be found on Podbean as well as iTunes. And of course, um, the audio, there's an audio portion that gets put on YouTube if you like to look listen to it that way. But guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next podcast and I will definitely see you in the next video on YouTube. Bye.